0: everybody said it then amen let's come around god's word together tonight if you have your bibles romans chapter 6 uh, romans chapter 6 amen let's pray as we turn to god's word tonight father we give you thanks for the prayer that has been made in this house tonight we thank you that you do hear and you do answer prayer we thank you lord even as prayer has gone up lord the answer already been on the way lord answers have already happened this very moment lord Lord, we thank you, Lord, you're not bound by lands or sea, Lord, but in an instant, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace, you do hear and, Lord, you do answer prayer. Your ear is open to this place. Lord, we give you praise tonight, Lord. We just pray, just remembering our brother Nicky tonight, Lord, as you'd undertake for him, Lord. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you touch him in his body tonight, Lord. Put that back right, Lord. Put in the joint, Lord, every joint that's out, Lord. Put it in the place tonight, Lord. Lord, you're the great creator, Lord. Oh, Father, we just pray, Lord, as we turn to your word. God, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to us afresh tonight, Lord. Truly, Lord, we want to live the life of another. No, oh God, tonight would you help us, Lord, even as we go over these verses, Lord, familiar. But, oh, God, tonight, Lord, would you bring the revelation. Would you breathe on the page, Lord. Lord, would you ignite it into your hearts, Lord. Lord, we pray that you be glorified through these lives, that truly in these days we would live the life of another, O God. O God, help us anoint our eyes to see. Glorify Jesus in all that we say and do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid... How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts tonight. Amen. We just looked last week at what it is to be dead with Christ, and we put this chapter into the context of being justified by faith, And now we come into this wonderful revelation of the grace of God, what it is to be dead. And tonight, as it says there in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. And tonight we'll look at what it is to be buried with Christ. When you hear those words of the apostle, as he pens those words to bring the revelation of what it is to die, to be dead with, and to be buried with, The Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder what you think that means. What it refers to. Your understanding of the words of what the Paul the Apostle is writing to us. That to be dead with Christ. To be baptized into his death. Then not only to be baptized into his death. Then he says that we are buried with Christ. We know this is symbolic but it's a wonderful spiritual truth of what it is for a believer to be buried with Christ. You know, when we were born again of the Spirit of God, the Bible here is teaching us at that point, as the body of Christ, we were baptized into the body of Christ and subsequently as Christ's body was placed in the tomb, uh, symbolically by faith, we were buried with him. And through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, at that point of the new birth, is a wonderful truth that we have received the forgiveness of sins that everything of what we were by nature and all the deeds that we'd ever committed, just not only by the deeds that we've committed, by the nature itself. We are born of Adam. We're born in sin, shaping in iniquity. But at that point of the new birth, whether we're four years old or whether we're 40 years old, that sin nature is there. But through the power of the new birth, we become new creatures in Jesus Christ. And we are dead with Christ and we're buried with him. It's wonderful the preach and to sing, to pray and proclaim about the blood of Jesus, isn't it? You know, that, that is the hope that we have. And especially in these days in which we're living, they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's pleading the blood over our lives, our homes, our traveling, or wherever we're going, that we lift up the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil's no answer to the blood. There's power in that blood. And to lift up the banner, to lift up the blood tonight, to sing about it, to preach about it, to pray about it, to talk about it, just to proclaim the blood of Jesus. There is power in the precious blood of the lamb. You know, when the prophet Micah said, is concerning the great mercy of God but Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 if you turn over to it just at that point of our new birth we understand how God has dealt with our sins and what it is as the old man would be buried uh, with Christ but in Micah 7 and 18 it says these words Micah 7 and verse 18 who is like who is like who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth Iniquity, And passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Because he delighteth in mercy. Verse 19 says he will turn again. and He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And now will cast all. And that simply means that will bury everything. Bury their sins. Into the depths of the sea. Thank God tonight that all our sins have been buried into the depths of the sea. Isn't he full of compassion? Isn't he a wonderful savior? Isn't he merciful tonight? That all our sins, he has cast all our sins into the depths of the sea of forgetfulness. Never to remember it again. It's wonderful to be free tonight. He buries our sins to be buried with the Lord. In Isaiah 38. If you turn over to Isaiah 38, remember this is at the point of that new birth or conversion in Christ. Isaiah chapters 38 and verse 17. Isaiah 38 and 17. The prophet says there, "Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but Thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. Has your soul been delivered?" From the pit of corruption. For thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. The living, the living, he shall praise thee. Is anybody alive? Praise the Lord. The living is going to praise him tonight. As I do this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. So we will rejoice and be glad in it. We will praise you, Lord. If no one else will praise you, your people will praise you as living stones. The Father to the children shall make known thy truth, will make known the truth of the Lord in these days through the great work that he's done in each of our lives. He has cast all my sins, all my sins behind thy back. It's not an amazing thing. He's buried them all in the sea, the depths of the sea, and he's cast them all. Praise the Lord for as far as the east is from the west so far he's removed our transgressions from us. is wonderful the grace of God? Amen. Isn't it truly amazing tonight? The amazing grace of God. This is the grace of God. Why would God save anyone like me? And why would God save anyone like you? Because he loved us. He gave himself for us. When we're saved, He's removed all our transgressions, buried them into that sea, into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again, cast them all behind his back. The grace of God's an amazing thing. Paul writes of the grace in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. If you turn over Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, Paul writes telling us what the grace of God is. This is a far cry from a lot of what the grace is, preached today or taught today concerning the grace I believe a lot of it's cheap grace a lot of it's not the grace of God at all it's man's own ideas but Paul the word of God tells us clearly what the grace of God is Titus 2 at verse 11 for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust this is the grace of God remember this is what we're we're looking at we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. This is the grace of God. This is the grace. Would you say amen? This is the grace of God. I know it's so different from what we're hearing today, but this is what the word of God teaches us. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from, there it is again, all iniquity, And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And let no man despise thee. This is the word of God. This is the grace of God. This is what it is when someone says I'm under grace. This is what grace is. This is what the Bible says grace is. Not what men think. This is what the grace of God is according to. To God's word and so Paul writes here in Romans 6 what shall we say then to these things this great forgiveness of sins what the Lord has done for each of us how we've been washed in the blood born of the spirit lifted out of a horrible pit all our sins are cast behind his back into the sea of his forgetfulness removed from us what shall we say to these things that's what he opens with shall we continue in sin do we continue on in the practice of sin, the grace that we just draw on the grace and say, grace, grace, it covers it all, it does, but I can live any way I want and do as I please. Is that what Paul, is that the grace of the scriptures? Is that the grace of what we're taught off in the epistles? Is that the grace that Paul was teaching us as he instructed the church with the epistles and the letters that he penned? Is that the grace of God? And so Paul says, what shall we say to these things? Because even very early on, People were taking the grace of God right in the early church to live as we please. And so he says, shall we continue in the practice of sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead? So now he is bringing the revelation of being dead with Christ. How shall we that are dead to sin? Knowing that that simply means for us that Christ has taken all our sin. He has met all the requirements of the law on our behalf. He and every point was tried yet without sin. He paid the penalty for us. He he met every requirement of that law. And when he died, we died with him so that we are free. We're the scapegoats. Of you. He was our scapegoat that we are free to leave and walk in the victory. So shall we continue? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not? Not so many of us were baptized in the Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. We're buried with him. What was buried with him? What was buried with him? We were buried with him, but what was buried with him? Romans 6 and 6, just in these verses here. Bible says here knowing this that our old man now what's the old man that old man there's an old man oh there's an old man (laughs) there's an old man in every one of us there really is no matter how good we're looking tonight but there's an old man in us all and see that old man that old man's rotten to the core you know no matter how well we look no matter how Humble we may act, but that old man's is rotten, and the old man's the same in every one of us. To let that in that secret, the old man's the same, and he's rotten. The flesh is the flesh; it's all the same. It's that old Adam, that old rebellious way, that old stubborn nature, that old pride, that old bitterness, that old hatred, that old anger. All of that's in that old man. Would you say, Amen? I hope you're not offended, but if you are, I'll offend the old man all day. Because that's what he is. He's the old man. There's an answer to the old man. And here we're told he's been crucified with him. See, there's an answer to the flesh. The answer to the flesh has been the same for centuries. The answer to the flesh is the cross. It's not a popular teaching. It's not something that people want to hear, especially when we're all wanting to be kept comfortable, tickled, encouraged told we're wonderful we're going to be rich and wealthy and make it to the top that's completely opposite to everything of what the lord teaches us any man wants to be his disciple there's a denial of self there's a taking up of a cross and there's a following the lord paul says i die daily what's he talking about there he's talking about that old man many people know the old man doesn't want to die would you put your hand up? You put your hand up really high. If you didn't put your hand up, then that old man really needs to die. <laughs> but he doesn't like to die. He doesn't like to deny himself. He doesn't like to he doesn't like to come in and, and and see the ugliness of what he is. He wants to think in some way that there's something good about this old man. Can I tell you something? There's nothing good. There's nothing good within us, nothing. You know, the hymn writer had it right. He saved a wretch like me. And so often when you talk to people or share the gospel, you'll know the idea that they're a sinner is now an offense more than ever to this world. The idea that they're wretched and need a savior is so offensive because they're not that bad. It's a deception of that old man. And the cross is the answer to him. The old man is crucified with him. And then it says these important words. That the body of sin. And Richard brought a lovely two words Richard there in Romans 6 and 6. What did you have written down last week? For the word destroyed. Inoperative. Inoperative. That word destroyed. That the body of sin might be inoperative. So the whole aspect of burying. That the body of sin, the old man, the body of sin would be made of no effect or would be made void, that he has no rights. You gotta discern this because so often we feel we have rights. But is it the old man's looking his way, or is it the new man? Therefore, we're buried with him, so that old man, the body of sin, would be destroyed. That henceforth we should not, what, what does it say? Serve sin. So what happens when the old man's not dealt with? What happens when he's not crucified? What happens when he's not denied? What happens when he's not deprived of his rights? Do you know what happens? We st- begin to walk in the flesh and we serve sin. And if we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. And so the battle then is in every heart of every human, of every Christian. And I wish I'd have got it when I was 20 years old. I didn't get it because I tried to serve God in in the service of the old man. And failure after failure after failure after failure came. Right up until something just clicked. And it took many years before it did click. But when it came that it's no longer I that lives I have no rights. You hear that? We're living in a rights society. Human rights. But the spirit of that age is alive and well in the body of Christ. See, I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. And so we read here that the body of sin, to be buried with him, might be destroyed made of no effect, made void, that henceforth we should not serve sin. In Colossians chapter 2, if you turn over verse 8, Paul writes again, looking at this body of sin for a moment, Colossians 2 and verse 8, remembering this thought tonight of what it is to be buried with him. Colossians 2 and 8. And it begins with a warning from the Apostle Colossians 2 and 8, he says, Beware. That's a warning. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, great communication, fresh and new revelation, all the contemporary sound bites, buzzwords, cliches that sounds a mixture of some biblical truth but a lot of men's ideas through philosophy and feigned deceit or the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world but not after Christ so we're being warned it is a warning it it is a warning that we're not spoiled. For in him dwelleth, verse 9, the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in him we are complete. And he is the head, praise the Lord, of all principality and power. Verse 11 In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So this is really important. New Testament. New covenant circumcision as opposed to old covenant circumcision. We have been circumcised supernaturally without hands, without the physical. It's a spiritual circumcision. And in that circumcision, the body of sins of the flesh have been circumcised or by the circumcision of Christ in the putting off. So through the power of the new birth, as new creatures in Christ, a circumcision has taken place in the heart. Under the law, the circumcision of the flesh by hands was an evidence of one's devoted or sign or symbol to God and under the Old Testament law. It was an identification by the physical. Under the gospel and the new covenant, There's a circumcision, not on the outward, but it's in the heart. And in that circumcision, through faith in Christ, by the power of the Holy Ghost, there is a cutting off or there's the old that is put away and there's a new heart and there's new desires. And so through the power of the new birth, that new covenant circumcision, that old man and the body of sins are cut away. And there's a new man with new desires. There's a new man with a new heart. He takes away the old, gives us the new. And so a Christian then has the desires of the Holy Ghost. And of everything of what God wants him to be. And who he wants him, how he wants him to act. Comes not by you've read a book or a church tradition. It comes because Christ is in you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he becomes our teacher. And so the desire is because he prayed, we'll pray. Because he witnessed and went out to win a lost world. And that's what we'll do. Why? Because we have his desires. We'll read the word of God. Why? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who put that there? The Holy Ghost puts that there. So what we have today so often is. People sitting in churches, they've never been born again. The new covenant circumcision has never taken place. But we're trying to get them to to, to come to a place of prayer, witness, faithfulness, commitment. And all of that seems in some way foreign language. Because there's never been a circumcision of the heart. And that's the tragedy of our day. It is a narrow way. It is a straight gate. Few there be that find it. One of the most dangerous places to be lost today is sitting in the church three times a week. So we're buried with him. Verse 12 in Colossians 2. We're buried with him in baptism. wherein also, praise the Lord, you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. God performs an operation on our hearts supernaturally by the power of the Holy Ghost through the faith of the operation of God we are buried with him in that baptism into death and praise the Lord we are risen with him we'll come to that next week he raises us from the dead verse 13 and you being dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh have they quickened together with him praise God having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, kneeling it to his cross, spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show sure of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're risen with him. But we really got to know what it is to be dead with, to be buried with, before we really walk in the newness of life, what it is to be risen with him. We want to be risen with him, but do you want to die with him? Do you want to be buried with him? No, I want this to be risen with him, and I want to walk in all the victory of that, but I don't want to die. That's the greatest problem we have in the church today. Nobody wants to die. You remember the story years ago of that wee book that impacted our lives so greatly Of of Maggie Smith who read that little pamphlet short story. Could be very long. I'll try and keep it short. But read that little pamphlet. That pamphlet was called If I Die. We woman from Balna Hinch. Born in our barn. Didn't know it until we moved in. But she read that little pamphlet. If I Die. When she read that pamphlet. Everything of the revelation of what it is for a corn of wheat. to die. And go into that ground. Unless it die. Unless it dies. Unless it dies, unless it goes in and dies, it will not bring forth the fruit. She got the revelation of that. At least 500 people reading that pamphlet, 500 at least, that little pamphlet was known to go out into the mission fields across the world when they read that pamphlet. When I phoned up to try and get it, shocked that the the, the, the wee uh, bookshop was still running in Edinburgh. Phoned the man up saying, I'm looking at a book called If I Die by McCall Barber. And the wee Scottish accent in the on the background says, oh, that book went out of print long ago. He says, but that book impacted at least 500 people to send them out on a one-way ticket across this world. I says, can I get it anywhere? He says, nobody wants it anymore. He says, I'll tell you why. This is his words, because nobody wants to die. That's what he said. That's his words. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die because everybody's got rights. What happened to the people that die, the people who really came to the revelation of what it is to die to everything of what we are, got everything of what he is. Buried with him in baptism. Buried with him. What it is to the booting off What it is to be put off the body of sins. You see, the old man doesn't have to do anything. But everything of what he is, is an affront to a holy God. It's not that he's out stealing. Not that he's out riding in the streets. Not that he's out taking drugs. Not that he's out breaking in. But everything of that old man is an affront to a holy God. Everything about him. There's nothing good. Remember, there's nothing good. Would you say amen? Do you think there's anything good in that old man? Your old man? I know you might look at my old man and say, there's nothing good in that old man. Was there anything good in your old man? There's nothing good. The booting off of that old man, the Greek means to divest. That simply means to deprive something of its power of its right. To deprive it of its power of its right. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21. This is a teaching that you'll find in the epistles and the letters of Paul. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 21. He writes these words. Now this is important. And I believe that the first few words are really important. If so be. Paul writes. Ephesians 4 21. If so be that ye have heard him. Hear what he says? If so be that you have heard him, who hears him? Who hears the Lord? What does Jesus say? My Sheep. sheep. What do they do? They hear my voice. And then he says, I know them. What happens next? And they follow me. If so be, ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth. Is in no one else on this planet. But the truth is in Jesus. And Jesus alone. He is truth. Verse 22. If you've heard him. That ye put off. You see it there. That ye put off concerning the former conversation. Put the old man off. Now what does Paul say to the old man. I've maybe been a bit kind about the old man I think. But then Paul says. Which is corrupt. The old man's corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Not only do you put off, but then he says, And that you put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. You know you have to put off before you put on. Isn't that true? You have to put off. There has to be a button off. The body of sin, the flesh, the old man. Now Paul tells us in Galatians 5, I'm going to read this part from the Amplified, if you want to listen, but it's verse 17, Galatians 5 and 17. This is all the body of sin, the flesh, and the old man. This is what we're instructed. If you've heard him, that you put this off. For the sinful nature, this is the Amplified, has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit. So the old man's opposed to the Spirit of God, opposed to everything of the Spirit. And the desire of the Spirit opposes. Not only does the old man oppose the Spirit, but the Spirit, this is important, opposes the old man. Was the Bible say? No flesh or glory. In my opinion, the flesh is the old man. So not only are we, the old man, opposing the Spirit, but this is an important one. The Spirit also opposes the the old man. God opposes the flesh. God opposes the old man. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict, so that as believers you do not always do whatever good things you want to do. Isn't that true? Isn't isn't it true? But if you're guided and led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. So, in Romans chapter 8, we're under no condemnation to them. that walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. So there's a walk in the Spirit. But we know, this is not about our salvation here, but we know when we fall into the old and walk in the flesh, it brings us into a place of condemnation. Isn't that right? So there's a walk in the Spirit. Where we please God and we know the victory and the blessing. But there's also a walk in the flesh that opposes the spirit. And then what happens? Spirit of God begins to convict us. Because he loves us. Doesn't want us to live that way. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Total irresponsibility. Lack of self-control. Idolatry. Sorcery hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these, I warned you before, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Serious, isn't it? Those who deliberately, willfully, continually walk in the flesh, they're condemned and so there's a walk in the spirit that brings victory and life. But there's a battle, isn't there, brothers and sisters? Really, if we honest tonight, if there's a war in, bet- in every heart of every believer in this room, if you're not saved, there's no war. But once you get saved, there's a battle in your heart. There's a new man, Jesus Christ, and there's that old nature that wants to go against that. And there's a battle. Paul says I, that, that there's a war daily. It's a daily war. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 8. If you turn over to it. Just looking at this old man. Because Paul just didn't slip it in here and there. He, he labored on the point of what it is to die or crucify the old man. But now ye also put off all these. We're instructed again. If you've heard him this is what he says. But of anger. But of wrath. Malice. Blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth do not lie to one another saying that what you have put off the old man with his deeds with his actions and you put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him here again he's saying put this off deal with this make a choice make a decision can I tell you something brothers and sisters all these things that we are Mentioning all these different attributes of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh. I'm going to tell you something. You can pray all day and you can cast it out all day and you can go to as many deliverance counseling as you want all day. But the answer for the flesh is the cross. It's simple it's the cross, it's the cross for the flesh. And then it says in verse 12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. <clears throat> if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now that's a powerful statement. Even as Christ forgave you, have you been forgiven? It's good to be forgiven, isn't it? Vertically. But as Christ has forgiven us, so also do ye. This is the practicalities of being a Christian. This is this is where what we say is the rubber hits the road, isn't it? And above all these things, but on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So what's buried? What's buried with him? The old man? His deeds? What is it to bury? Brown told me a story. Hope well, He doesn't mind. I'll not mention any names. But he told me a wee story. It's a true story. Because brand told me it must be true. <laughs> told me a story about a man. This man had a. A fallout with a pastor in a church, rights and wrongs, whatever, but he had a fallout with a pastor. He left the church. And over that fallout, this man held a particular grievance with the pastor of that particular church. Could have been anybody, but it happened to be the pastor. Imagine falling out with a pastor, that couldn't even be possible. <laughs> but he did, but he had a grievance. Whether he was right, whether the pastor was right, I'm not too sure, but anyway. But this man held this particular grievance, and he went in the different churches, different meetings, but everywhere he seemed to go, if I can pick this up, right, he poured out this, did you hear what they done? Did you hear what he said? Did you hear? And this grievance went on and on and on, and he carried this wherever he went. He was sure this particular grievance. Maybe the pastor was wrong. Pastors have clay feet, and they can get things wrong, but so can anybody. And so this man went about and he was pouring out this bitterness, this this particular thing of what was done on him and how it was done and everything else. You can imagine, you hear the scenarios all the time, what they did, he what he done, who does he think he is, blah 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 blah, and so on and so on. But another pastor with great wisdom, one day when this man was pouring this out, stopped the man. And said, brother, you're harming the body. And he listened to these words of wisdom. You need to bury it. You need to bury it. You're harming the body. You need to bury it. Saints, is there things we need to bury? You know, it's very rarely ever preached on. I don't think I've ever heard it preached on. I know I've mentioned it once or twice. When we come round the Lord's table, there is a part of eating and drinking in an unworldly manner. It's a careful study required but he says in that context, this is why some are sick and some sleep. That's really serious. See, all sickness isn't the devil. Some can be, but not all. And all sickness... And diseases that come. I believe that he is the cure for everything. That by his stripes we are. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. But some sickness. We can anoint. With oil. And pray. And pray. And pray. And pray. But you know why that sickness exists? Because there isn't a discerning of the body, unforgiveness, bitterness, habitual sin, thoughts, hatred, schisms, pride, power struggles. Never happens in the church in Northern Ireland. This is why some are sick. You know what the healing is there? That there's repentance. That there's repentance. Healing comes when there's repentance. Is there some things we need to bury? Or will we walk in the flesh that rots us? Like the grave clothes so often preached of Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? Remember the the many times we preached it, heard it preached. The Lord standing at that tomb he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. is wonderful? And he that was dead came forth. Praise the Lord, doesn't he bring us out of graves? Doesn't he call us by our name? And he came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. And Jesus said unto him, loose him and let him go. Why? Because he's come to set the captive free. I wonder in a spiritual context, I'm sure you've heard it many times, but I'll say it again. I wonder how many of us walk around with grave clothes. I wonder how many of us, yes, we're saved, we've been called out. Praise the Lord, He's called us by our name. Hallelujah. We're out of the tomb, out of the place of death, but we're walking around with grave clothes on. I wonder how many grave clothes, if you could spiritually see it, if you had a special pair of glasses. That identified grave clothes. And you put the glasses on. No way some of these glasses show it. In a different light or fluorescent light or something. And all of a sudden you can see. Which reflects. And which. I wonder really if you were looking at it. From a God point of view. If you looked down in this congregation. Those that are here. Those that even aren't here. And he looked upon us. And he sees the grave clothes. He sees us walking with grave clothes. He's bound hand, foot. His flesh brings death. While we're in the flesh, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot please God. We do not walk in what he has purposed to walk in, in the victory, and the newness of life, in the power. And the freedom and the fullness of the Spirit. We're longing for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We're longing for the fullness of the Spirit of God. We want the deep waters. We want to swim in those waters. We've prayed for it for years. We're believing for revival. We're still believing for a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. But grave clothes. Grave close. Old hindrances. Old bitternesses. Old things that never, we just don't bury them because we don't like to bury them. We like to sort of cling on. You know that old jumper you've had for years and years and years? It's your comfy jumper. It's your Tuesday night jumper when you get in the bed early. I don't have one, I'm just saying, I'm sure you have one. It's those jammies that you never throw out, you know what I'm saying? Like our Caleb, they're up to his knee now, but he loves these jammies. It's like that, It's like that garment that you never want to get rid of. It's like your wee comfort blanket. It's like your thing that you hold on to and you think it brings you comfort, but it brings you death. But I've had it for years. I want to hold on to it just a wee bit longer because it, you know, the devil's a liar. Grave clothes. So hindrances come, death comes. The flesh never, never, never. Remember, the spirit opposes the flesh, the old man. The flesh will hinder. Here's something about the three places that were with grave clothes. See, the hands were bound. The hands are for service. You know what happens when we have our hands bound with the grave clothes? We don't serve. We cease to serve. You know what happens when our feet are bound? These feet are to bring the gospel of peace to this world. You know what happens? We're not interested in going. We don't serve in the body. We don't go out and to reach the lost because we're bound. And you know what happens then after that? There's a napkin on our face. And the voice that's been given to praise him and to glorify him and to serve him and to proclaim everything about him. Grave clothes. Those grave clothes belong to the grave. The grave clothes belong to the grave but many of us are walking with grave clothes. I'll close with this. John chapter 20 if you turn over. John chapter 20 verse 1 this is great reading. John 20 verse 1 It's the first day of the week. Then cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Praise the Lord. Don't you love Mary Magdalene? What a band of women the Lord had followed. Mary Magdalene, of whom there were seven devils cast out, First, first to the tomb. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said unto him, They've taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre. We know not where they've led him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together. The other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in. What did he see? He saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in. Where do the grave clothes belong? The grave. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, seeing the linen clothes lie, the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their home, but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was laying. We have been buried with him, and the grave clothes and all. And they said unto her, Woman, Why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they've taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have led him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast led him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Do you know, we just said her name, Mary. He just said her name, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. He called her by name. Once he called her, you have heard of him. Once he called her, she knew it was him. You see, he always brings life. He always brings deliverance. He always brings victory. He always brings freedom. But we need to put the grave clothes where they belong. Right in the grave. That's where he left them. And that's where we must leave them. Buried with him. By God's grace, may we bury the old man and his deeds and all the grave clothes and may this church know what it is to be foolish empowered by, baptized in, and living in, and walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. If that's your desire, would you say amen? Amen. I believe it is our desire. I really do. I know that's our heart. But we need to bury. We need to boot off. And we can boot on tonight. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord.